0: The sermon preached at St. John's Evangelical Lutheran Church of Hancock, Minnesota, on November 3rd, 2014, based on Isaiah 63, verses 16, 17, and chapter 64, verses 1 through 8. The first lesson is Isaiah chapter 63 and 64 selected verses. These words will also serve as the sermon text. You, Lord, are our Father. Our Redeemer from of old is your name. Why, Lord, do you make us wander from your ways and harden our hearts so we do not revere you? Return for the sake of your servants, the tribes that are your inheritance. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you. As when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil, come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard No ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. But when we continued to sin against them, you were angry. How then can we be saved? All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have given us over to our sins Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. This is the word of our Lord. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God through which the Holy Spirit lifts our eyes to watch for our Savior's return is... Isaiah 63 and 64, the first lesson today that you heard read earlier. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, fellow saints washed clean in the blood of our risen Savior. Rend the heavens, O Lord, and come down. Have you ever flung that plea heavenward from the pit of your stomach? We see the evil in this world increasing day by day. God's truths are trampled even by many who claim to be Christian churches. Immorality parades as love codifying itself in our laws and infiltrating our schools. New wars, attacks, diseases terrorize the world. Unrest and riots in our own country hit closer to home. Ukraine, ISIS, Nigeria, Ebola, Ferguson are just new faces for old problems. Why doesn't God just end it all? And it's not only the problems out there that can lead us to feel that way, but also the the internal struggles, the, the struggles in our own personal lives that we go through. Deadening grief heartbreak, the loss of meaning and purpose in life, the depths of despair, overwhelming stress and anxiety, the pains of a disease, the souring of a relationship, those two can ignite that feeling that calls out to God and just wants Him to end it all, at least, least maybe Not the world, but for me, rend the heavens and come down and take me out of this life. Isaiah, the prophet, had those feelings of anxiety, heartbreak, and despair. As the Lord gave him foresight into what would happen to God's people, Isaiah lived about 700 B.C., but he writes words that reflect a time that was to come, a time when Babylon under Nebuchadnezzar would take the people of Judah into exile. Yes, Isaiah lived around 700 B.C., but his words here express the feelings of the people and 586 B.C., when the temple, the Lord's temple in Jerusalem, was destroyed. At that time, those exiles could well take up these words, this prayer of Isaiah, and call out to heaven in their time of heartbreak and desperation at the triumph of God's enemies. And Isaiah writes, not only for them, but for us as well. Rend the heavens, O Lord, and come down, is our prayer as well, dear Christian friends. It's not a shout of defiance, shaking our fists at the powerful and well-off in this world, no. And it's not a cry of despair that's given up all hope and just wants to die. Rather, dear friends, as we pray, Rend the heavens, O Lord, we pray it in this way. Rend the heavens, O Lord, for you are our Redeemer and you are our hope. That's the theme and parts that we want to focus on here this morning. Rend the heavens, O Lord, the prophet prayed. And as you look at the words in the context there, There is some some righteous anger in those words. You know, that kind of anger that hates what God hates, that deeply desires for God's name to be glorified and God's enemies to be destroyed. We, We see that as the prophet calls out, as when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil, come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. And yet, dear friends, there is no room for self-righteous anger as we call out those words in prayer. In fact, the prophet realizes how much he and his people deserve the Lord's anger against them. Listen to what he confesses. All of us have become like one who is unclean and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf and like the wind our sins sweep us away. In fact, the people had turned away from the Lord so often they had abused his patience and abused his grace, going their own self-chosen ways that God had let them go whatever way they wanted and harden them in their self-chosen paths. That's why the prophet pleads, Why, Lord, do you make us wander from your ways and harden our hearts so that we do not revere you? How often, dear friends, have we also abused God's patience and neglected his mercy How often have we turned away from His path in order to pursue our own agendas, no matter how right we think they are? How often have we failed to take His word to heart, even if we show up on a Sunday morning? We deserve the Lord to take His word and sacraments away from us. We deserve for Him to harden us in our own self chosen ways. Even our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Our best, our very best is polluted by our sinful desires, contaminated by our selfishness, stained by our pride. Even our greatest accomplishments will be swept away by the winds of time, our bodies and our legacy shrivel up like a leaf, crumbling into dust. And we cannot appeal. We cannot appeal to any act or effort or attempt on our part. For as the prophet says, even our best is filthy rags. Even our best. How unworthy we are. But take note, dear friends. Take note, What the prophet prays. Isaiah calls out, You, Lord, are our Father. Our Redeemer from of old is your name. Yes, our sin sold us as slaves, but the Lord, our God, he redeemed sinners. He redeemed you and me. He paid the price that we could not pay. He paid the full price we could contribute nothing at all. For even the best, our most righteous acts were filthy rags, totally worthless in and of themselves. And even if we could do perfectly everything required of us all the time with completely pure and unadulterated motives, even then we wouldn't merit anything for we would simply be doing our duty, what was required of us in the first place. Yes, how unworthy we are. But the Lord our God, dear friend, our, the Lord our God redeemed you and redeemed me. He redeemed us not because of who we were or who we are. We had no innate value. No, he redeemed us because of who he is. He paid the price in our place. He paid that price to set you and me free. He stopped at no cost to himself. Yes, he stopped at nothing. The Father gave his dearest, most precious treasure to redeem sinners, to redeem you and me paying the ransom price for us. He gave his own son. When the time had fully come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman born under law to redeem those under law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Galatians 4. Yes, the Lord did rend the heavens, but not with power and judgment. He rent the heavens and came down as a little child, a tiny baby born of the virgin. The sun rent the heavens to redeem you and me. He became one of us to take our place as our ransom to redeem us with his holy, precious blood by dying our death, by suffering our punishment. Yes, the Son rent the heavens and redeemed sinners. He redeemed you and me to bring us into the Father's family. He became one of us. He became our brother. And through baptism, you have been washed clean of sin's filth and reborn into God's family because your Redeemer rent the heavens and ransomed you. Through faith, you are clothed with Jesus Christ and his righteousness, and his clothes have no stain, no mark, no defect at all. In Jesus, your filthy rags have been taken away, and in exchange, you have received his white robe of righteousness. That's what God's children wear. That's what you wear through faith in Jesus, his white robe of righteousness. Standing before the Father, your sins are forgiven, your ransom paid. And so, dear Christians, when you pray, rend the heavens, O Lord, pray as a redeemed child of God. Pray with that humility that confesses your filthiness and pray with that confidence that clings only to your Savior, your Redeemer. You have been bought at a price, for the Son has redeemed you. He has brought you into his Father's family. And so as you pray, pray with hope. Which brings us to the second part here this morning. Rend the heavens, O Lord, for you are our hope. Yes, he is our hope, and our hope is built on what the Lord our God has already accomplished for us. And that's why this hope is so different than the wishful thinking and dreams that the world has. Our hope is built on what our God, our Redeemer, has already accomplished for us so that he is our hope as well. For the people of Isaiah's day and later during the exile, they could look back at what the Lord God had done for their ancestors. They could remember how he rescued them from slavery in Egypt. They could remember how he came down with fire and smoke and storm on Mount Sinai, shaking the mountain as he gave them his law and made his covenant with them to be his very own people. They could remember what the Lord their God had already accomplished for them. And so no matter how bad it got, they could build on him as their hope. Yes, they could remember. And and might this not be what Isaiah was thinking of as he prays? For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. And as New Testament Christians, dear friends, our hope is built on even greater things, on even more awesome deeds that our God has accomplished deeds that no eye or ear could ever discover or mind ever think of or imagine. The prophet writes, Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. And what is it that is so far beyond our eyes and ears that our minds cannot conceive it? What is it that the people, God's people, wait for in eager expectation and hope? The New Testament answers that for us, doesn't it? In 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul refers to these verses from Isaiah as he writes, "'None of the rulers of this age understood it, "'for if they had, they would not have crucified "'the Lord of glory.'" However, it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived, but God has prepared for those who love him, but God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. Yes, dear Christian friends, our hope is built on the fulfillment of what our awesome God has already done for us. The Lord of glory, the eternal Son of the Father, did rend the heavens and come down to die for us, crucified for our sins. Who would ever have thought that? And yet, every Christmas, We celebrate the wonder of his coming. And every Good Friday, we we commemorate and marvel at his death in our place. For our eyes and ears have been opened by the words of the scriptures. For the scriptures are the written words of the spirit that have penetrated our dark hearts and brought you and me to believe in what our God has done for us, and therefore to build our hope on what he has promised he will yet do. Yes, no eye could see this unless the Holy Spirit removes our blindness. No ear could hear it or mind conceive it. But now, now that the Spirit has revealed it through the scriptures and opened our eyes to see, our ears to hear, and our hearts to believe, what hope we have, dear friends, what hope! The Lord our God rent the heavens to die for us. Now that He has redeemed us, won't He rend the heavens again to take us, His blood bought people, to be with Him in our Heavenly Father's home? Of course He will, for that is His promise, and He is faithful but hope, but sure, certain, unfailing hope. So dear friends, keep watch and be ready. Don't let the troubles of this world or the hardships of your own life destroy your hope. Rather, send the roots of your hope deeper and deeper into God's word, into his word of promise, so that no storm of life will uproot your faith Jesus will rend the heavens once more. This time not as a tiny baby, but as the Lord of glory. He will rend the heavens and come down with his angels. He will put an end to this wicked world and to all who do evil. But for us, who are God's redeemed children through faith in the Son, For us who have been diligently watching and waiting with eager hope and expectation, he will make everything new. And so, dear friends, with your hearts fixed on Jesus, pray, rend the heavens, O Lord, for you are our Redeemer and you are our hope. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.